Welcome, Rink Rats, to this Blackhawks Hockey Rinkcast episode 33, exclusively sponsored by the premium hockey outfitters at puckhockey.com. Super loop! Use that discount code the rink to get your new your rink wear, like I said last time. But I'm gonna keep repeating myself. Get yourself a rink hoodie, get yourself a rink flannel. We got the nice hats out there. We got the shirts, the nice three-quarter length uh, baseball type shirts. I love that. That's my favorite one. Uh, get out there and check out some of the rink wear. And if you don't want some of the rink wear or why you get some of the rink wear, check out all the other cool stuff that's over at uh, puckhockey.com. A lot of great stuff over there. Uh, we've John and I, I think, collectively have spent a, a, a ton of money at Puck Hockey to get uh, to get gear. So Tuesday, or excuse me, Saturday night, Nationwide yeah. Arena, Columbus, Ohio. The rink blue flannel is going is going to have the tags taken off, and <laughs> I'm going to be wearing it, man. I got that one thing too. Is sweet. Yeah, I've been wearing my uh, my hoodie all over the place because it's been so chilly here in Chicago. So. I got to bust that baby out too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, today is Wednesday, October 17th, 2018. I am Jeff Osborne, better known across the interwebs as Gatekeeper. What's up, jerks? Yes, Satan. And I'm joined here by my co-host, good friend and fellow grumpy old guy, Mr. John Jekyll, who ruins everything. Hello, sir. That's what I do. Hiya. <laughs> sir, one more outburst. I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You understand me? <laughs> Together, we are your most trusted sources at your favorite online hangout, the-rink.com. Today, later on the program, we're going to be talking with Hart from Puckpedia.com. We did a really great interview. He uh, had a lot of great information, so stay tuned for that a little later. But for right now, John and I, we're going to talk a little bit of Blackhawks hockey. So well, how you doing, John? How was your week? Uh, my week was... was- basically good it's been um you know quiet the last couple of days no games um yeah. the, 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 the big news crazy. um of course we'll we will touch on is the impending or not impending return of Corey crawford yeah um so i think we're all uh awaiting that with bated breath as they say and some uh, of us are i guess it's worse than bad breath <laughs> um but uh anyway um yeah yeah cool so as we were uh, recording last week, it was during the Minnesota game where we mentioned that if the Blackhawks continued to uh, to play like they were playing, they were going to get another win. And what happened? They lost 4-3 in overtime. Yeah. Uh, of course. Well, we'll get right into that game. So they lost 4-3 in overtime. Goals were for were uh, two by the cat. Yeah. The cat, man. And... Uh, <laughs> Dominic Cahoon got his first NHL goal. Um, yeah. Cam Ward saved 43 of 46. The Hawks blew a 2-0 lead, then blew a 3-2 lead. Uh, they were outshot 46-30 to 30, uh, on the road, which means you know basically they should have lost anyway. You, get, you give up 46 shots on net, you should be losing the game. Yeah. You know, that's, that's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I don't think either of us are huge Cam Ward fans, but I'm going to be really interested to see you know, even though Corey Crawford claims that he's 100 percent and and back to his old self, I'm going to be interested to see how he holds up under that kind of pressure right away. Um, you know, the, the amount of shots that uh, that Ward's been seeing. Um, and I'm not sure exactly where the team stands right now in terms of shots for and shots against. It was starting to 
tilt um, to the negative um, last week. And I don't know, maybe the, maybe the last game, the Hawks turn it the other way. It's still so early, but um, that's what I'm really interested, interested to see that because um, uh, you know, I, I don't think Ward has been terrible. Um, I just, I don't think he's been great, but it'll be really interesting to see how, how much Crawford can improve the goals against in light of how bad the defense is. Right. Yeah. That's the big thing. I mean, we, we've been saying it for a long time, like just cause Corey Crawford plays on the ice doesn't mean a damn thing. Uh, you know, he hasn't played since December, almost a full year. And, uh, you know, they've, how long has he been taking, you know, game quality NHL shots? He hasn't right. at all. I mean, he's been taking some practice shots and sure. Yeah. <laughs> but practice is practice. You know, he hasn't played in a game and uh, I, I'm, we'll get a little more into the Corey Crawford thing. I'm going to go through these games. We'll get these games wrapped up and then we'll kind of go back. We'll kind of circle back into the Corey Crawford thing. Um, and the last thing on the Minnesota game was the, the, the power play finally scored the cat man uh, got the first power play goal for the Blackhawks season. Uh, I mean, honestly, their power play still sucks. It's terrible. It is. It's terrible. I mean, just just because you you know find a nut every once in a while doesn't mean you know that you're good at it, and they're not. So, um, the next game was uh, Saturday night. The Blues uh, they beat the Blues four three in overtime. Which I don't know. It seems like the the Blues are snake bent when it comes to the Blackhawks. This is the second time now that they uh, lost in overtime to the Blackhawks. Actually, the Blackhawks have not played a game that they haven't gone to overtime. Well, that's, you know, that's really interesting, too. And, and this is something that I was talking about a couple of years ago um, when, you know, the usual suspects were, were you know, calling me negative because um, I had some issues with, with the Hawks, you know, performance, especially in the postseason. And, hey, they had the best record in the regular season. Man. Or the second best record in the regular season. <laughs> yeah. but, but, you know, the other thing was, is that they had won a lot of games in overtime, three on three overtime, which as the, you know, the, the non-casual hockey fan will, will recall three on three overtime is not a phenomenon of uh, overtime uh, in the playoffs, um, unless there's a lot of penalties. Um, And I don't think I've ever seen three on three in in the playoffs. Um, So the point is that, you know, this team, while the record is good so far, it's all, you know, all the wins have come in three on three overtime where the Hawks appear to be a pretty good team. But, you know, again, I think I think it's all about expectations. I mean, I don't know. I, I still don't think this team is going to make the playoffs and, and we can go into some of some of the reasons why. But the other thing is, is if they do make the playoffs, I think we're, what we're going to need to be looking at um, in March and April is how good of a five on five team are they? How good of a power play team are they? How good of a four-on-five penalty kill team are they? Because right now, what they've proven is they've got three guys on pace for 150 points this season, which isn't going to happen, and that they can win games in overtime. Um, so it's a great story so far, but it's it's really suspect, well, <laughs> to I, say the least. Yeah, right. It, and in this game, goals. Uh, and just I'm, I'm going to wrap this up, and then we'll, we'll go back into it. Uh, in this game, goals by Anisimov. Kane had a power play goal, so they had power play goals in back-to-back games. Debrinkit had two goals, one even strength, and the overtime game-winning goal. Um, so he had, in back-to-back games, he had two goals. 
Uh, Cam Ward saved 35 of 38, which, uh, you know, that's still not a good number. Uh, the Hawks blew a 2-0 lead, came back to tie, and then won in overtime. In the shots, now this is a good stat for the Blackhawks, and we're not all negative. We're going to point out something right. good when it happens. Shots yeah. were 50-38 in favor of the Blackhawks. You get 50 shots, you should win that game. You should win right. it. You should actually win it in regulation. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think also the Hawks' shooting percentage is still, in spite of that one game, I, I think the shooting percentage is still really, really high. And that is also going to regress to norm. Um, so again, I, and I guess I'm the voice of negativity tonight. I just, there are, there really are positives. I think they, the chemistry between Taves and Debrickett is real. Uh, I think Taves, um, play so far, even though he's not going to get 150 points, I would, I would look more like around 75 to 80. Um, uh, you know, uh, that that's real. That's legit. Uh, so far, Dominic Cahoon really looks like he's fitting in with that line on the right wing. Um, so that's all good. Um, after that, uh, you know, Patrick Kane looks, is on pace for 130 points. He's probably going to be more in that, you know, maybe 85 to 90 range for the season. Um, so, uh, that's good. I mean, we've, we've always known he was good. So it looks like they're able to generate some offense on a couple of lines, which is certainly better than the last couple of years. But after that, there's not a lot to get really excited about. And as a matter of fact, there's, there's some real sort of, um, uh, areas of concern with this roster. Yeah, and for all the people that, you know, they, they want to, well, you're too negative, you're too negative. We, you can't just blow smoke up people's butts like the Blackhawks are doing to the to the fan base. Like, the underlying, everything underlying shows, and, and maybe if the media did a better job of this two years ago, of showing the underlying, like the Blackhawks winning one-goal games and winning overtime games or shootout games and then getting that best record and then going to the playoffs and getting stomped in the first round. Maybe if the media did a little bit better job of showing that to the fans, maybe right. they wouldn't have been so surprised that the Blackhawks got their asses stomped by the Predators. Right. How about looking at it that way? How about how about trying to be a more informed fan Instead of just being, you know, being, being the meatball man and just, I want to be positive, man. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, that's, that's it's always, ignorance. It's, like, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like sports fan crack. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, you could get, you could get positive and excited about what's going on now. And like I said, we've said there are, there are um, parts of what's going on that, that are exciting and positive. But if you look at the team as a whole, I mean, and I, this is where I'll say this, um, I had the opportunity to spend some time the other evening with uh, an executive of an Eastern Conference team who is in the the player um, grading and acquisition function of that team, and it's a good team. Um, his his take on the Hawks was not real good. <laughs> I mean, basically that the run is over and they really need to be in rebuild mode over the next two to three years, and um, you know the, the management needs to be doing a better job and. Uh, um, the, you know, that, that is very sobering to hear, but I, I, you know, as you know, I, I really couldn't disagree with it. That's sort of been my feeling as well. Um, but, uh, I, I just, I, I think fans need more of a realistic perspective like that. Again, we may be surprised and, you know, our doubts about certain players and certain, certain parts of this roster may in fact be proven wrong. I just, it remains to be seen. And I'm not convinced by four overtime wins because, for, for the last three years, this has been a team that's been pretty good in three-on-three overtime. And, you know, late late heroics in games have been getting them to overtime, and that's great, and it's exciting and fun. You're not 
going to make the playoffs doing that. Not going to happen. No, no, not at you gotta all. Got to be better five on five. You, you know, you got to have a better power play, um, and you got to have you. The, the, those are the areas where your your statistics really need to be exemplary to be a playoff team. All right, here let's let's the the fans that hate us because we're so negative. Let's go over some of the good things. Let's talk about some of the bright lights that are happening right now. Jonathan Taves looks like yep. he seems to have returned to at least his norm. Um, that's a good thing. Uh, that looks like, you know, it, it may not, he may not sustain it, but as of right now, it looks like, you know, he, he's returned to something. Alex he, looks, he looks like the Taves of the spring of 2015 when he was basically ripping up the Western Conference and then the Tampa Bay Lightning in the playoffs on the way to the Hawks' third Stanley Cup in seven years. Yeah. That's how he looks, and that's yeah. that's fantastic. Um, One guy. Yeah. Alex Dabrinkit looks really good. Six goals in looks, the first five looks games. great with tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He scored on the power play. He looks like he's, you know... Um, he looks like he's continuing what he did in his rookie season. Now, is he going to score 40 goals? I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not the guy who's going to go out there and, and, and err on the side of, you know, in some exorbitant amount of, of goals. I'd say, you know, 30, 35 goals is realistic right now, but that's really good. That's really good. He could he could score 40. I mean, yeah. the way that, that, that he is finding open spots, and the way Taves is finding him, and um, the other night Eric Gustafson, got to give credit. I'm not a Gustafson fan, not at all. That was a hell of a pass. And um, you know, the, the, so I mean, the way that Debrink is playing, the things that he does, and that that release that he has, um, he could rack up a lot of goals this year. Right, and and he's got he's got the tools now. Now I want to I want to reel back something. Um, when I was talking about Debrinkit this week, I said that he's a secondary secondary supporting guy, and and our and our buddy Sean White kind of said, well, you know, he's got six goals in five games. He he led the team in goal scoring last year. That's not really necessarily secondary, and and kind of where I was, uh, where and he's right to a degree for sure. I I can't disagree with that part of it. But where I was saying was like last year he was a third line guy. He was heavily sheltered. Like that's why. Last year, he led the team in goals. He was given very favorable matchups, and that helped him out. Now, this year, he's not given those favorable matchups, and he's still continuing to do it. He's growing into a guy who may be that, you know, that, that top-line scorer. Do I think he's going to be a Taves or Kane quality player? I still don't. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean he's not a great player. No, not, not a lot of people talked are about that in that in that same Twitter feed. And, and my point of view was and still is that he's not a player who can use size, speed or stick handling to get his own shot. Um, he is really good, you know, coming in on the break and and getting a defenseman in front of him, and using that defenseman for a screen, using that release to really overwhelm the goalie. That's his thing. His thing is getting in shooting position and getting that shot off and overwhelming the goalie that that's what he does and um beyond that though he's not a player he needs somebody to get him the puck more often than not and as a result it's hard to call him a really elite nhl player i don't think he's ever going to be because of that but he's always going to be a a good scorer because he's just a natural scorer in terms of his his mentality 
um, his awareness, and then and then that release. He reminds me a little bit, and I think this is this is a high end projection in, in terms of productivity. But also, this guy played a lot, played some in in, in a high scoring era of Luke Robitaille. You know, a guy that uh, didn't have great physical tools, but he was just a natural goal scorer, and he got a lot of goals in the NHL. Yeah, for sure. So, um, what else? What else? Henry Yokihara was look, still looking pretty good. I mean, he he's not noticeable, which is good for a rookie playing top line minutes, playing the most minutes the other night out of any Blackhawks defenseman. That's another positive. Right. Yeah. I mean, and we talked about that last week. I think he is going to make some mistakes yet. I mean, um, he's in people again. This is something that people take for granted, but he's playing with a two time Norris Trophy winner. And, you know, these narratives take hold and they tend to sort of like skew the whole point of view on it. You know, everybody's like, ah, that Duncan Keith, he's done. Uh, not yet. You know, this is a guy, you know, Keith still really knows how to play the game and he knows what he's doing out there when he's playing with a kid like Yoki Haru in terms of, you know, protecting him and, 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 you know, putting him in position to succeed. Um, and it shows, um, taking nothing away from Yoki Haru because he certainly exceeded, I think everyone's expectations. I know ours, um, and it's not because we thought he was a bad prospect. We just didn't know he would be this ready this soon. And that's great. Yeah. And, and he would win over Joel Quenville, which is hard to do. Yeah. So, so there, there you go. We've, we, 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 you know, we've talked about it before, but we've also reiterated, you know, there's some positives. There are positives out there, but there's also negatives. Uh, uh but the, 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 also the positive, the Blackhawks are fourth in the league in goals for. That's good. Scoring goals is good. They've had a lot of problems in past years scoring goals. This year, so far, five games in, the Blackhawks have not had any problems scoring goals. Another positive. Correct. Correct. So, okay. So, this is a good... Let's end on a high note here. And let's go in and let's uh, talk to Hart from Puckpedia. And then we'll come back. We'll talk about Corey Crawford. We'll talk about some other things. And then we'll answer some questions and we'll get out of here. How does that sound? Groovy. Awesome. All right. So without further ado, let's talk with Hart. So today we have on the program Hart from Puckpedia.com. Uh, he's a, it's a newer site, but it's it's one that uh, we go to a lot and we will be you'll be seeing in our articles. So Puckpedia, it's um, in the world of the salary cap in the NHL. You know, these sites have popped up and they've disappeared. And for a while now, it's been kind of dry around here. So uh, we just wanted to introduce Hart to the public, the Blackhawks land. Um, and we wanted to hear a little bit about your site. But first of all, Hart, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. So uh, tell us a little bit about Puckpedia. I mean, I know there's... Uh, there's cap sites out there and, and I'm not going to get into them because people know who they are. We're talking about Puckpedia here. So um, tell us a little bit about Puckpedia and what kind of sets you apart from just an average site that has a list of a bunch of cap numbers. Right. So as a, you know, as a fan going 
looking on different sites. I what the one thing I I found um, that was needed is there wasn't a site that had everything I was looking for. So yes, there were cap sites, but then they kind of just had like the salary cap info. Then there's sites like you know Hockey DB or the Prospects where you can go and get. Uh, so all, like all those stats and you can see where guys were drafted and, and some other transactions um, and then other places where you have to go to get advanced stats and you know even other places to figure out like who to follow like you know follow the the guys from the ring for Blackhawks news and as a fan you know wasting time at work like most people I wanted to just have that all in one place and so that was really the, the initial vision was you know have a site that obviously had all the salary cap information but on top of that, you know, kind of have everything else that goes along with it. And we're, we're, the vision was, you know, when you go on Wikipedia and you start reading one article and like three hours later, you're reading something completely different because you just keep clicking on links. And that and, you know, that happens to a lot of people on sites like HockeyDB over the years. And that that was, you know, what we're trying to build is a site where, you know, it has everything that you could want for information. Um you know, not we, we have so we have advanced stats, but we don't have like the deepest set of advanced stats, but, a, you know, a little bit to get you started. And obviously we have all the salary cap and um, contract information. Uh, we have, you know, injury news and transactions. But like, you know, if you want to get a whole, real deep into the injury news, like to hear about Corey Crawford's latest injury, you know, obviously you'd go on a site um, like your site to that really specializes in that. But just to kind of get the quick blurb along with, you know, like 30 other guys injury updates, you have it all in one place. So that that was really the vision. Cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I, I can understand idea. that. Go ahead, John. No, I was gonna say it's a great idea. Um, you know, because I, I don't think that, you know, you're right. There, there's nobody who really aggregates all the content that people are looking for. And it's just it's less clicks. And, uh, you know, as we all know, in the world of the interwebs, that uh, the less you ask people to click through, the better experience it is for them. So that, that's great. Yeah. And, the, you know, the other thing is I found that obviously, uh, you know, I'm really into the the contracts and salary cap stuff. But, you know, fans that are sort of interested in it but you know not not all the way they are kind of intimidated by some of the other sites out there because they do you know they can kind of be uh, almost like giant spreadsheets right and they're they're not as they don't necessarily appeal to a broader audience and so you know with the design of the site and, and the layout that was really important is to you know have a site that you know is really accessible to a broad audience and try to highlight things that a fan might be interested in, but they may not know how to go about looking up. But once they come to the site to find one part, you know, now they're there and they're used to the interface and it's um, hopefully people find it clean and easy to use. And then it leads them to the next part. Yeah. Now you don't, you don't have to get into like your complete background. We don't want, we're not doing a background check here, but you (laughs) kind of have a, you kind of have like a, uh, you know, like counting type background. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, I went to school and started as a public accountant. Yeah, okay, so awesome. it, it actually, I as I was working on the site over the especially the last few months and you know making sure all the salary cap calculations are working, it I, I realized well my my background came in handy as I'm like reconciling teams' cap hits and projected cap hits and figuring out why you know what differences I'm out from what I'm expected. So yeah, it comes in handy for for salary cap stuff, that's for sure. Yeah, I did I didn't want to hit you too hard with that, but I just <laughs> want people to understand that like you're not just some guy that like just want you know like some kid that wanted to just put together a website. Like you have a background in this kind of thing. So like you you know you could be thought of as a, a respectable source as far as like 
salary cap stuff goes. So that's kind of why I was really, really, that's where I was really pointing, pointing at with this. So for sure. Yeah. And you know, that's definitely an area that I've always been super interested in is the, you know, the CBA and the salary cap rules. And I've kind of been the unofficial source for, you know, a big network of, of friends and, and coworkers and stuff. And, um, you know, so I, like I said, I, I knew a lot of the rules, obviously, you know, building a site and calculating things and writing articles about some of the rules, you have to learn it in, in more depth, but, uh, certainly that's always been an area that I was really interested in. And, and as I first started even thinking about the site, I started reaching out to some people that work for teams and some agents just to make sure I understood some things. And, and from there, that's actually really taken off and, and built up a really good network of, of people that are experts. And so, um, you know, like if I, if I want to make sure about something or, um, if I'm reading the CBA and, and I, I want to make sure that, I, you know, there's not another section that is more important. I, I now have a good network of people that I can reach out to. Yeah. And, and, uh, I kind of mentioned this before when we kind of started, uh, you know, talking about your site, like the, the, the agent leaderboard thing, yeah. that's something that's very unique to what you guys have, which is you, you have to have something unique. You have to have something special that's going to make, you know, those people be like, Oh, that's pretty cool. That's a cool new thing. So, uh, that, that, you know, wh- what, what other kind of features can people expect to see if they go to Puckpedia? Well, yeah, let's start with the agent leaderboard. I, I definitely think we're the only ones that have that. And yeah, that, that came from thinking like, well, be, you know, when you read stories of, you know, this player doesn't want to sign an extension or this player is looking for to get traded. My first thought was always, oh, I wonder who else uh, on the team that agent represents or like what if there's a contentious negotiation, like I wonder if that's going to bleed into other players because, you know, like they are human beings, right? So the relationships are important. And I could never really find that information. Like sometimes you'd see in an article, it would mention the agent, but I there wasn't like kind of a master database that I saw out there. So, you know, that, that was something early on, you know, I wanted to have who the agents were. And then it just kind of hit me. Well, let's show the, yeah, let's show the, we show standings and we show like cap hit. Well, let's show what agents are running things. And um, yeah, it's cool to see that, uh, you know, like Pat Brisson's the top of the agent leaderboard. He's $1.1 billion in in total contracts. So when you hear about, um, you know, when you hear about some negotiations that he's involved with or even, you know, big issues between players and teams, you know, you can look at that agent leaderboard and you can really see what agents probably carry the most sway because they're representing like a huge chunk of the of the players out in the league. Uh, but yeah, some other features. Uh, we just recently updated our player dashboard. So if you click players from the, the header, um, the player dashboard, you can filter and, and slice and sort by a whole bunch of different um, criteria. So you can see you know, if you want to see who on the Blackhawks is under six feet tall with a cap hit over $5 million <laughs> and, you know, maybe uh, sorted by points and then also want to see represented by a certain agent you can kind of slice and dice by all those different criteria and you know it all comes from we have all this information now in our database so um, and I was getting some requests from different writers and um, analytics people for for some of the data mm-hmm. and I thought and so you know I was sending it to them and I thought well let's just try to have an interface so people could um, you know could grab that information for themselves so I've sent a few tweets out from there like yesterday I sent out uh, who are 
guys out of their entry level deals um, under $4 million that are sorted by points. Just kind of see like who are good bargains other than guys on their rookie contracts. And so yeah, you can, you can do that, that kind of uh, stuff on there. That's a, that's a feature that's out. Mm-hmm. Another cool thing um, that I, I think is interesting that I always wished um, was around is our ask the capologist section. So like, if you do have questions about the salary cap or, um, the collective bargaining agreement. You can submit a question there on the Ask the Capologist, and you know between myself and 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 my network of expert capologists, we can get back to you. We post some of the answers on the site, um, or we just you know email back and answer people's questions. So you know uh, don't want people to feel like shy or intimidated if they don't understand some of the terms that they hear. Um, and so yeah, we have, we have that on there as well. It's great. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Um. Just a little bit off the cuff, um, what was the inspiration behind the logo? It, lo- it reminds me of the Columbus Blue Jackets just because <laughs> of the colors. But yeah. w- what's your inspiration yeah. behind that logo? <laughs> you know, uh, I that, it, I see the c- color similarity too. Yeah, yeah. I I just did like a crowdsourcing thing on a you know a design platform, mm-hmm. and I you know I said I want sticks, I want like a kind of a spreadsheet kind of thing, and I want it to be fun and about hockey and. I went through hundreds of different versions and uh, yeah, this is, this is what I came up with. I, you know, with the name Puckpedia, it is obviously it's like an encyclopedia for hockey and, and for pucks. And so I, I did want to have that sort of encyclopedia feel with the, with the books on it, but yeah, the colors, uh, I, I think red and blue are, I guess my favorite color. So that the, the color scheme kind of just uh, sort of happened uh, by accident. That's real eye catching. Uh, no, it's a nice, it's a nice logo. Yeah. 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 But I, yeah, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a, a Columbus fan. Uh, I, you know, unfortunately, I'm a, a long-suffering Oiler fan. So, but I thought if I, if I put in Oiler colors, uh, you know, my secret would be out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it it happens. You know, everyone's got their everyone has their loyalty to their team. So, uh, unfortunately, at this point in time, we're Blackhawks fans, even though the the Blackhawks are, uh, you know, they're overachieving at this point in time. But, um, you know. We, we came in, we actually were writing at the right period in time when the Blackhawks came out of their dark period. And now, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years later, three cups and yeah, but now we're, we're feeling the brunt of it on the backside with uh, the way the cap is, you know, the way, the way they've got themselves into a corner with, you know, uh, Taze and Kane and their contracts and uh, just, you know, it's not as bad as it was say last year or the year before, but uh you know, it would be nice to have a little more room to, to, to work with. Well, yeah, you know, it's fans think about today and, and the current season, but it's, you know, it's, I think it's important for Blackhawks fans to reflect back on what a great run it's been, you know, with, with three cups, it could be a lot worse. You could miss the playoffs, uh, you know, 11 out of 12 years, like the Oilers, but you know, you mentioned the, the cap and the contracts, like that's something that's really changed so much in the game, you know, before teams could just, they could be good and keep their best players and that could go on for, for years and years. Um, but now, you know, what kind of contracts the team has handed out is, is almost as important as what players they have in terms of like, you know, good players on the team, because yeah, you look at the Blackhawks and they have some good players. They, you know, they, I'm sure ideally they'd love to spend some more and add some other good pieces around it, but they, they're kind of capped out with some of the contracts. And that's why I think, uh, you know, again, as a fan, thinking about your team and what you want your team to do, you kind of have to have the salary cap breakdown 
up as you do your daydreaming and thinking about what are good contracts, what are bad contracts, and it, it's an important part of the game these days. Yeah, it sure is. It's it's the business of hockey is as important in, in many ways as what goes on the ice. Um, no question about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, we've seen that in Chicago with what the salary cap and managing the salary cap has done to the roster and and the the you know overall. Oh, schemes and plans of the of management in terms of going forward. It's it's always driven by money. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, even after the the one cup, it was like the oh, yeah. champagne wasn't even dry, and they were already you know had trying to get some uh, get the cap hit down. Um, yeah. But you know what I like to do sometimes if I'm thinking about a team and how they're set up, I I go through their roster. Um, you know, go on their puckpedia.com team page, and I just kind of go through and I think to myself like if if this was being evaluated, like, is this a, is this the right like market value for this contract or is it like overpaid, underpaid? And you can kind of see like what teams are set up by just kind of flipping through a roster and seeing how many guys are paid about right versus, and, and have some bargains versus like overpaid guys. Right. Cause a couple, a couple big overpays kill you or just like a whole bunch of small overpays by half a million, a million. It, it really kills a team. Yeah. We've seen that too. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> Um, now just recently this year, and, and some teams are very open about the contracts and they just release yeah. them. Uh, it's becoming more of a thing. The Blackhawks this year decided that they're going to start releasing terms. Do you find that, uh, you know, have there been teams that have been real difficult to get information on or, uh, how, how has that gone for you? You know, the, the, like for a contract terms, when they come out, the, whether the team releases it or not, like the media has it within seconds, right? So it's mm-hmm. not even, you know, there's, so there's been times where I, from now that I've built up a bit of a network, I, I've had some of the contract info and I, you know, I get it. And I think I'm like, first I tweet it, even if I was first within like three seconds, we've got a whole bunch of other media people are tweeting it. So it, it's kind of, it doesn't really matter. I think if you have it right, the, you know, the harder part is making sure that you have, especially for Puckpedia, making sure that we have the, you know, the salary versus signing bonuses and the amount per year, having that all out there. And yeah, it's great when some, there's some teams now that release that and that's helpful be, um, and it just saves a step. Otherwise, you know, I'm reaching out to the team or the agent to gather that. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, again, it's an extra step. There's stuff that, you know, the NHL releases, but it typically, you know, for the stuff that's accessible, it, it kind of comes out at the beginning of the year. So it's, you kind of, miss stuff over the summer and then you can you can catch it at the when the new season starts but i don't really see why teams wouldn't release that information like it's fans are interested in it it's important like when you know yeah for, for if you're a blackhawks fan and and you're running the blackhawks like why do you want a fan to get the cap hit and the salary and the terms from you know the local beat writer instead of the team like they're they're going to find out anyways so i i, I kind of i've never really understood the reluctance to to give it out yeah well i mean just last year uh there was a lot of uh talk about possibly you know the nhl providing this kind of information on their website like there was re- people who wanted to see that kind of thing and gary bettman came right out and just lied to everybody that said we really don't see an interest in that we don't think the fans want to see that kind of thing yeah and which is hilarious (laughs) yeah it's just completely hilarious because it's just a flat-out lie because sites like your site 
and the traffic that it generates from just being able to provide numbers, you know, salary numbers like that tells a completely different story. So, yeah, yeah, it is. It's hard to understand. You'd think any any fan interest is good interest. I, I guess, you know, maybe they just think maybe they're thinking of the next collective bargaining agreement and they uh, yeah, they want fans always thinking, um, you know, on the side of the team instead of the players or something. But, yeah, it, it is strange, but. It, it certainly opens up the opportunity to have sites that provide fans what they're looking for. So I guess I'm, I guess I can't complain right now with the uh, Puckpedia that, that the NHL doesn't have their own salary cap site. Yeah. Uh, well, so how well versed are you in the CBA? Like, are, have you broken it down? Do you understand it back in front? Uh, or are you, you know, finding new things every day that you're like, Oh geez. Wow. Well, I, I've gone through phases where I thought I knew it really well. And then I think I've you know, come across something and I think, wow, maybe I, I didn't know it that well, but, but recently I'm finding, you know, just in talking to some, uh, some people with teams and some agents, there's actually not many people that know every single, um, you know, every single term in it. So that, that made me feel better about my knowledge. So yeah, I would say, uh, I know it pretty well, but um you know like one new thing i just learned um this season with a couple of the guys that had suspensions um for sort of off ice things mm-hmm. uh, like austin watson and nate mm-hmm. schmidt like i didn't realize that the cat that there's no cap hit for um the period that they're off mm-hmm. for the team so you know that was something new and i i was talking to uh someone with a team and asked him i said i think there's something here with with the suspensions because they're different and he said no no there's a full cap hit and then i looking through the cba and i said well what about this section and he's oh yeah i guess you're right there's no cap hit so you know there's no one that's uh that's i guess knows every single aspect and it's a complicated document so um it's it's fun though it's fun to to you know it's fun to learn the ins and outs and be able to answer questions for people so if you have a burning cba question yeah uh, let me know or or fans that are listening, they could submit it through the Ask the Capologist. And like I said, if I can't answer it, I have a, a network now that can uh, help me with it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and just looking at it, like, you know, it's it's a little more pleasing to the eyes, I think, when you look at it. Like, if you just look at the Blackhawks page, like, there's a lot of color coding, which kind of makes it pop a little bit, makes things notice a little bit. It's not just a spreadsheet on a, on a sheet of paper or on a, you know, on a screen, should yeah. I say. So. Yeah, exactly. That that's the goal, and um, yeah, I have friends that are interested in hockey, and they'd always be asking me like, what different players make, because I, you know, follow that stuff and know it. And I would, in the past, I'd say, well, look it up yourself, and they kind of wouldn't know how where to look it up, or they'd be intimidated. So the the, the that's the goal for the site is to have it really accessible for everybody. Cool, John. You got any uh, any pressing issues or any? Uh, do you want to? Yeah. You want to hit the capologist with a <laughs> with anything major? No, I. You know, it's it's um, it's just it's. I, I'm gonna be honest, honestly. I think it's gonna be a really. Uh, we were having a discussion with one of our writers today, Brian Ferran, um, who's working on his next piece for us. He, he wrote his first piece today, and and uh, Brian's working on his next piece, and it has to do with um, what likely will be the next contract of one of the Hawks' better young players. And we were talking about, you know, um, how much who the agent is weighs into that. And 
Um, you know, whether or not that agent has other players who play for the Hawks and cause those things all factor in to contract negotiations. And I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people, a lot of people will get into discussions back and forth with regard to a contract about a player's loyalty to the team, to the city. You know, he's the kind of guy who's going to give the city a, a hometown deal, et cetera. And they forget that there are agents involved. And I mean, just that one little slice of your of your site heart that we've talked about tonight um, yet is so critical to gaining real insight into what actually goes on. And I mean, because I found oftentimes when when an agent's involved, it becomes a lot more about money and average average annual value on the deal, because that's how the agent makes his money. Um, And um, there's quite a bit of money at stake there. These are large organizations with many employees in some cases. Like for example, CAA Pat Brisson, um, you know. So it's it's just it's kind of fascinating, and the insight is is incredibly valuable for you know for casual fans who are trying to become less casual fans, and certainly for for or, you know organizations like ours who are writing these kinds of articles to be able to access that kind of information. So all that said, um, I really salute what you're doing, and I hope that other people like us will uh, avail themselves of it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, over, yeah, over the summer, as we were watching um, free agents sign kind of after that initial rush um, and kind of looking at who's still remaining, I did, uh, I, to your point, definitely, I, I would go look and see who their agent was and who, who some of their other clients were. And, you know, you can see, you can look through some of the, the agent pages on Puckpedia and see their clients and you can say like, oh, this guy, you know, the, I, I don't expect this deal to get done quickly for his remaining free agent because you can just see his other contracts, you know, whether they were long holdouts or contentious negotiations or or really high dollar items. And, and you can also kind of compare that to the team, right? There's teams that sort of hand out the big dollars pretty freely and other teams that are are really concerned about every, you know, every last dollar. And um, yeah, I think it's, especially if you're trying to think about what's going to happen and how much guys are going to sign for. Yeah. You definitely need to look at the agent and, and sort of their history of other players and, and comparable players too, or, or other deals that they've done with that same general manager. And, and that gives you a good sense of what's going to happen. Um, you know, like the, the holdout or not holdout, but the, the big unsigned um, guy right now, Nylander, like, you know, you look at his, client list um on puckpedia lewis gross and you can see who some of his clients are and you can also see you know he's not one of the top uh, few guys in terms of agents and and what they represent and you know that might give you some insight into where things are going with the negotiation right yeah uh wow there's there's so much like to take in when when you go (laughs) to your website i mean um you know they're they're and I'm no cap, you know, math geek or a cap expert for sure. Like I'm still, I'll never know everything about it. And so I'm, I'm glad to have, you know, a site where you, you know, someone can take that contract that this, that's called the CBA that they put out there that looks like a bunch of gobbledygook and actually <laughs> turn it into something that, you know, the common fan can just look at and understand. So it's, it's, you know, there's little things like how many contracts they have in the organization. Like a lot of people don't realize, like I brought that up a couple of times, you know, as the season was going on, like, oh, the Blackhawks are one of these teams that like, they've got 49 contracts out of 50. So like, you're not going to see the Blackhawks sign many free agents because they can't, they're going to have to lose a contract or two to be able to bring guys in and, and, and things like that. So 
Uh, those are things that like maybe sometimes the common fan doesn't necessarily realize uh, when they want their team to go out and get a player or sign a player or trade for a player, you know, you, you would have to take a contract back or things like that. So that, you know, that's just a nice little thing for people to be able to look, you know, at a site and be able to say, Oh yeah, cool. Oh, now I understand that. So, yeah. 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 That the 50 contract limit and the, the other one is the 23 players on the active roster, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's something that you see, um, you know, well, why this guy didn't seem all that hurt. Why is he on the injured list or, Oh, it's surprising. They, they sent that player down and that's trying to get a, you know, manage that 23 uh, active player limit. And uh, yeah. So just kind of knowing the rules that are behind some of the decisions that are made, I find um, really interesting for sure. Yeah. The long-term injury reserve thing is a real interesting. <laughs> and, and that I came up. That was coming. Yeah. Yeah. That came <laughs> up big last year. Like, cause no one really understood how it worked and, you know, we in Chicago, it got, you know, pretty well versed, uh, and it happened actually originally a couple years ago with Patrick Kane, when he went on long-term injured reserve, you know, and people don't, people just say, Oh, we'll put him on LTIR. And then that means that they have five extra million dollars or whatever, or for Patrick Kane's sake, it's 10 extra million dollars. And it's not, it doesn't necessarily work that way. Um, it's not just a free $10 million that you have to use. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you the, the high level. Yeah. Uh, I hope, hopefully it's understandable. Yeah. yeah. So basically um, you're right. It's it, the amount of the cap hit of the guy that goes on LTIR that gets added to uh, basically how the, the overall cap limit that the team has, but you see, you always see that, you know, right before they put a guy on LTIR, uh, the teams are trying to like call up guys and get as close to the salary cap as possible. Right. And that's because the, let's say a guy makes $5 million. They don't get to add just a pure 5 million to the cap. The 5 million is reduced by how much cap space the team has at the time he goes on LTIR. So if a team has a million dollars of cap space and then they put a guy with a $5 million contract on, on LTIR, they actually can only go over by 4 million. Right. Um, so that's some of the kind of the little games that happen. Um, you saw that with, um, I think it was LA called a guy up recently. I know the Oilers, um, they put a guy on injured reserve. They signed a guy, uh, chase on to $650,000 contract, sent a, a guy down to get within $6,000 of the salary cap. Yeah. So that's, that's the first part is, the amount you can exceed it is um, the the cap hit of the player that's on LTIR less how much cap space was available uh, when he goes on LTIR. Then the other kind of trick is so if the guy is uh, going to be gone for the whole year, it's a it's a little easier because you, you you do have that cap space. But if he's going to come back like halfway through, you have to be compliant with the cap uh, when he's back. And so like all cap hits, it's based on how many days on the roster a player is. So in our example of $5 million, like if your $5 million guy is going to be gone halfway through the season, you can't be 5 million over the cap. Cause when he comes back, he's going to count two and a half million for like the last half of the season and, and you'll be over. So you can really, you kind of have to project when he'll be back and how much um, cap space that will leave. So hopefully I didn't lose anybody and uh, no. get too complicated. The other trick is that if you're using LTIR and you're over the cap and because of that, and you have any um, performance bonuses for your guys, then that'll be a, a bonus carryover penalty for the following year. So that's the other trick is if, yeah, if you're going to be over 
the cap by using LTIR, it, it's fine this year. But if you have some big guys on entry level deals that are going to get some big bonuses, um, you know, like guys like Austin Matthews or like Connor McDavid when he was on his entry level, where they're getting a couple million in bonuses, um, if you're using LTIR, that's all going to come back as a carryover for the next year. Right. <laughs> Now in Did our I lose you? no 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 <laughs> no no it's good people need to know these things and 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 someone like you is one who can you know explain it better than I can. Um, <laughs> Black the Blackhawks of course uh, you know I'm going to kind of roll finish up with kind of this one. The Blackhawks are in a position right now uh, where Corey Crawford, Gustav Forsling, and Connor Murphy are all on IR. They're not on LTIR. Right. Um, what would be uh, kind of give people the difference between just regular IR how it affects the team and we are we already kind of already talked about LTIR does it make it yeah. does it make a difference or not you know yeah big difference so yeah. IR it completely counts against the cap um there's so the only thing that it does for the team is it frees a roster spot so they can have 23 other guys other than the injured person that's on IR. So if you're on IR, it completely counts against the cap. If you look at a team like um, Arizona or Ottawa, you know, they have like a, a million guys on IR. And so their cap hit right now is a lot higher than it would be if everyone's healthy. Cause they're really, you know, their, their, their cap hits counting for 27, 28, 30 different guys, depending on how, how many people are injured. So that's, uh, that's IR. Um, and like I said, LTIR, yeah. you you can use that to exceed the cap. Um, the other difference is on IR, I think it's a week uh, minimum that a guy has to miss, and LTIR is uh, 24 days. So the the LT stands for long term, right? Yeah, in right. LTIR, so that that'd be whether you couldn't just put a guy um, that's only got a you know like a sprained ankle on LTIR because then he'd he'd have to miss uh, too long. Right. The 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 one. Uh, Tricky part, though, you mentioned Forsling. So he's actually a little bit different. So guys that are on uh, entry-level deal, I'll try to simplify it, but yeah. guys that are on entry-level deals that they didn't play a full season uh, the year before, they actually, their full cap, if they get injured in training camp like Forsling did, their full cap, it doesn't count against uh, the, the salary cap when they're on IR. They get It's basically prorated for how much time they spend in the NHL. So if you look on... Uh, Puck PD on the Blackhawks page right now, you see uh, there's a Gustav Forsling season opening IR mm-hmm. uh, yep. line there. Yep. Yeah. So that's basically, it's calculated because he didn't play the full year last year uh, with the Hawks. And mm-hmm. so, and because he's on an entry level deal, it's a, it's a smaller portion of it. And, but that's only for guys that get hurt in training camp. So guys, you might see guys that have never played in the NHL. Um, if they get hurt in training camp, they actually stay on the NHL roster until they're healthy but they don't count against the salary cap, um, and it's good for them. They're they're making their NHL money, um, right. not their not their minor league salary until they get they get healthy and get sent down. But it doesn't count against their cap because they don't have any uh, NHL experience. Yeah, I think the Blackhawks actually last year had that problem. I think it was maybe Luke Snuggerud or someone like that who got injured in training camp. Actually which bled over into the season with them being on the, on, on the, on the roster. So he was making his NHL money being hurt, yeah. never having played in the NHL. Yeah. So that, that was kind actually, of the same thing. It's actually a pretty good deal, obviously other than being hurt. But if yeah. you're, yeah, it's good for, for these guys that haven't really made NHL money, it's a big difference making, you know, 650,000 a year versus 70,000 a year. Um, and for the team, yeah, that if it's those kind of guys and they get hurt in training camp, it, there's no salary cap hit for them. Yeah. 
So, for example, like you were explaining, uh, just for you know the, the Chicago example, if, say, Corey Crawford does play tomorrow, and uh, we're going to discuss this in the other portions, but if, say, Corey Crawford was to come off IR and play tomorrow, the Blackhawks would have to send somebody down because they're at the 23-man uh, limit right now. So either, some, either send someone down or someone else goes on right, in reserve right. if they're hurt. Yep, exactly. Yeah. But their cap hit, I mean, their cap hit would change if they sent somebody down, but yeah. Corey Crawford, six million is already counting right, against right. the cap. So it's right. not like they're, they're adding anything when he gets healthy. Right. Cool. Well, John, you got anything else you want to? <laughs> no, I don't. I, uh, I have to confess. I've been, uh, fascinating myself with, uh, with Puckpedia while we've been talking. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, yeah, it's it's really cool, and uh, we're we're real excited to be uh, named your among your voices to follow, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, growing this relationship and and seeing what you guys do. I appreciate that, and that's a yeah. good feature that you mentioned that I, I didn't get a chance to to talk about. Yeah, so on each team page, uh, we show the the voices to follow, um, and I think for again for fans, maybe they're not on Twitter all the time, they don't know who the the top people to follow for the favorite team. So I think that's another uh, part of being a, you know, the ultimate source for fans go on your favorite team pages. So if you're a Blackhawks fan and you come on Puckpedia, you see all the, the different guys from the rink that you should follow for, for all the Blackhawks news. Awesome, man. So, well, Very let's cool. kind of wrap this up a little bit. I mean, uh, if you want to give the, 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 the big plug at the end, uh, feel free to let, you know, everyone know where they can follow you, where to go all your different resources that you know you have out there for people. Let's do it. So go on puckpedia.com. It's just like it sounds a hockey puck and like an encyclopedia, puckpedia.com. Um, make sure you check out um, the different team pages. Um, make sure you check out the injury report every day um, and go on the player dashboard and explore uh, if you want to filter by different things. And if you have any questions, submit it through the Ask the Capologist. And the big thing, uh, please follow us on Twitter at Puckpedia and, um, you know, uh, you know, help us and retweet and and like and help get the word out. Um, We also are trying to do a bunch of different contests on Twitter to give things away. So, you know, we've done some signed jerseys, um, some gift cards, um, and we'll also be doing some some other Puckpedia gear potentially coming out for uh, for giveaways. So, yeah, make sure you, you follow us at Puckpedia and go on the website Puckpedia.com. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I think actually, uh, was it Pappy? Pappy Hour that won? I think he might have won yeah. one. Yeah, he, yeah. he's yeah, one of our writers. He won the, the gift card, yeah, for, yeah. for Pure Hockey, yeah. Yeah, so shout out to our boy Pappy Hour. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah, happy it's with it. Uh, well, the last I, thing he needs, he's, he's also a Warrior VIP, so he gets a lot of free gear from them. Too. <laughs> we did a random draw, but when I saw the name, I thought, oh, great. That, you know, he's certainly been a good supporter and yeah. likes a lot of our tweets, so I was happy for him. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think we're good. So, Hart, thanks a lot for taking out the time to uh, to come and talk about, uh, you know, your site for a little while. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll catch up later in the season, maybe closer to uh, – to trade deadline and things like that. And maybe when free agency comes around next year, we'll have you on again. So thanks a lot for uh, joining us. Okay, great. Looking forward to it. Thanks again, guys. Okay. Thanks to heart for talking about the cap for a little bit, giving, giving people a little bit of an insight on what's going on. Uh, again, head over to puckpedia.com and uh, check out your stuff there. So we're back. We talked about the, all the positives that the Blackhawks have. Uh, John and I 
uh, in the break or between the break or whatever. And the, we talked kind of a little bit about the stats, what, what the Blackhawks, uh, the stats show as far as the Blackhawks go. So John, if you want to give a little bit of an overview about what you were, what you're looking into as far as the stats go. So building on what we were talking about earlier with regard to the fact that all the Hawks wins have come in three on three overtime. Um, when you start to look at the, 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 the more important stats in terms of an overall season, Power play, they are 25th in the league. Now, again, it's early, and their power play is going to get better than the absolutely miserable 11% it's at now. At least we hope so. Um, penalty kill, they are 29th. Um, again, uh, that should regress to norm somewhat, but I mean, these are areas where the Hawks have struggled, relatively speaking, over the last three years. Um, they are um, their shooting percentage. I'm trying to find that right now. Um, I don't have it in front of me. Yeah, the, uh, the, 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 the NHL page is a little difficult to find this stuff. Yeah, their shooting percentage, as far as I know, is is very good. And that probably will will revert a little bit, too. So, um, you know, this is this is where, you know, the the the, the goals, the shots for are around 36. The shots against per game are around 34. So they're two, two, two shots to the positive, which is good. That's where you want to be. That's a hallmark of a good team. Um, you know, however, um, the 34 shots against are sixth worst, in, sixth worst in the league. And, you know, again, over time, um, that that's something that that even the best goalie is not going to be able to overcome. Neither is two goalies that are in their mid 30s. One of them right. coming off of 11 months of not being on the, you know, not playing an NHL game. Yeah. So. You know, the, the the good news is, is that some of these bad statistics that need to be better can be better, probably will get somewhat better. The question is, is how much better? Um, and going back to, to what I said earlier, um, you just can't count on them making the playoffs, winning every game in three on three overtime. Um, that's that's just not a sustainable formula. Um, Jonathan Taves is on pace for 150 points. Alex DeBrigitte's on pace for 150 uh, Patrick Kane's on pace for 130, and that's really where I think 80% of the offense is coming from, um, and certainly all the big late game goals. Uh, so again, those guys are off to a great start, but they're, they're, those paces are not sustainable. Their numbers are gonna are gonna basically almost be cut in half um, statistically in terms of predictable st- statistics. So d- do the math. Um, there, there's it's great that they've gotten up to a four zero and two start. I believe that's the record today. Um, bank points for the future, but they're going to need them. Yeah, unless unless some things get a lot better. So if you go to Natural Stat Trick, the Blackhawks shooting percentage right now in all strengths is eleven point nine six percent. Where does that rank in the league? Eighth overall. Yeah. That's that's really good. Now the Toronto Maple Leafs are at fifteen point three percent. Wow. Then it goes Ottawa Senators, Boston Bruins, Vancouver Canucks, Washington Capitals, uh, New Jersey Devils, Pittsburgh Penguins, and then at eight are the Chicago Blackhawks. So yeah, that's uh, that's where your stats are on that. Yeah, the Blackhawks three zero and two. It says here. Yeah. So, because we're through five games, yeah. So they're three zero and two. So that's that. 
so they are Hawks are five and five goals for their seventh at 14, which is good. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to find another stat here that I think is going to going to. Yeah, they are sixth worst in the league at goals against five on five. Yeah. Hold on, wait a second. No. Hold yeah. On, let me pull. Yes, they yeah. are. They're, yeah, that's sixth worst, they're, they're which tied is thirteenth worst yeah. at goals against five yeah. on five. So, um, and again, you got to look at those at those five and five statistic, five on five statistics. Um, you know, that's that's really where where you you know, that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of the entire season. Yeah. Power play, penalty kill. Yeah, the the power play has risen up a little bit with the two power play goals in the last two games, but the power play is still twenty fifth in the league. That's bad. They need to be. Right. Uh, they need to be at least in the middle uh, for power play and penalty kill. Uh, they're they're in the bottom third for both the penalty kill. The penalty kill. They're 29th. There's only two teams worse, and right. uh, the power play. You know, there's you know a, a couple more teams that are worse. But other than that, they're in the bottom. Uh, their faceoff percentage. They're in almost the bottom third. They're 21st overall. Um, these are all, those are all stats that need to get better if they need to be a legitimate team that can contend and, 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 and just goes to show, like I said the other day, you can't give up 46 shots to a team. No. And it doesn't uh, matter who your goal is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Corey Crawford isn't going to save you. You're going to have a, your goal is going to be worn out and you're not going to win a lot of hockey games. No. And neither, you know, so, so anyway, those are the stats. Um, Blackhawks face Arizona tomorrow. Uh, Arizona, uh, I was, when I was going through stats, I noticed that Arizona's second in the league in faceoff percentage, right behind the St. Louis Blues. Blackhawks have actually had pretty good. I am surprised the Blackhawks have had that much success against the Blues because the Blues have completely revamped their center ice. Uh, and, and they brought in a bunch of guys that can win faceoffs, and the Blackhawks have been able to overcome that. You know, interesting. Eddie Olchek made a comment on the the broadcast of the the second Blues game the other night that the the Hawks looked so much faster than St. Louis and I, I it was interesting because I had not really observed that myself but when I started to look at that I could see it and you know when you think about the addition of guys like Cahoon um, you know bringing Marcus Kruger back um, you know, the, the Hawks do look a step faster this year. I mean, Gustafson is a, is a mobile, is a mobile player. Um, Brandon Manning is not, but, but that's okay. Um, but the point is, I think that, um, you know, I think that, uh, the, the Hawks are perhaps a faster team than they were last year. Um, slightly faster and, and that's, that's good. Um, that's a positive. And I think that that may be part of the reason they're generating, so much, so much pressure um, offensively, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, um, it may be it may be hurting them in the in the defensive zone. Yeah, but you know they're going to ride this, and uh, and we'll see where it goes from here. I mean, uh, Arizona is more of an up and coming team, but I don't know that they're necessarily a legit threat right now. So, um, you know, I'm not I'm not exactly scared of the Arizona. Coyotes tomorrow. Uh, the Blackhawks could very well beat them. And, uh, you know, I want I want to see some tough teams. I want to see the Blackhawks play some really tough teams. Yeah, and, I think I think teams like Winnipeg. Um, yeah. I mean, I thought St. Louis was was going to expose the Hawks, and they didn't. And yeah. that's, that Twice. is to the Hawks' credit. However, yeah. 
I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on St. Louis this year. I mean, I, I really was actually stunned at how bad they were in those two games. Um, I think some of it was the Hawks being good, but I think I think some of it was just St. Louis does not have their act together. Um, I've never been a big Mike Yo fan, um, and um, you know he seems to have an, an expiration date wherever he goes. And the the Wild were notorious underachievers when he was there, and um, but I, I want to see them against the Winnipegs, um, Dallas. I want to see how they do against them. Um, you know Nashville. <laughs> You know, they're they're going to be a strong team this year. So, I mean, those those are the teams that they're going to have to really get by to be uh, to be a playoff team anyway or and much less a good playoff team. Right. Yeah. And and, and, and to their uh, again, the to the Blackhawks credit, um, they stood toe to toe with the Toronto Maple Leafs who have one loss. And yeah. uh, and they stood toe to toe and they hung in there with them. So, you know, that's yeah. another positive. We can go back to the positives we talked to before. Um, you know, that's another positive Blackhawks are in second place in their division, which is pretty shocking, honestly. Yeah. And the, and the, the blues are in last place again, my Minnesota, who I picked to be the last place team in the central, it went, when all is said and done they're in, you know, second to last and Dallas is kind of wavering They're at 500. Uh, Winnipeg's started off a little slow. Uh, Colorado has actually been all right, probably better than some may have expected. Uh, so there's, there's some things they have to shake out. A five game, you know, you really can't tell if a team is good until you're about ten to fifteen games into the season. Then you could start to see, you know, that that was when people thought that maybe the Vegas Golden Knights may start to to falter, and when they didn't, then when it was like, okay, maybe these guys really are a pretty good team. So, uh, you know, well, let's wait. Let's wait another five games, five seven games, and we'll see how the Blackhawks are looking then. And then we can proclaim them, you know, the next Stanley Cup champions. <laughs> but yeah. uh, speaking of Stanley Cup champions, Corey Crawford. We talked yeah. about this nonsense last week uh, with the Blackhawks still saying, oh, he's going to be playing the 18th. And then Corey Crawford telling Mark Lazarus that, uh, you know, hey, uh, slow down a little bit. Maybe I'm not really ready yet, you know, but. Next. So they still, tomorrow's the game. They still haven't, you know, he's not off of IR. They still haven't verified that he's definitely playing. They just keep playing these word games with, well, we expect him to be ready, which does not mean he will be ready. <laughs> we'll see. They, they're saying, we'll see after the morning skate, how he feels like right. this is still word games and semantics. They're playing with Corey Crawford. My question is, let's go back to the beginning of the season where they said there's a possibility Corey Crawford could go down to Rockford for a couple conditioning games. What happened to that? Well, I, you know, maybe they're they're looking at it and saying, well, if he's if he's good, if he's well enough to play in Rockford, he's well enough to play in Chicago. Um, I, yeah, that's I, I, you know, I and mean, I'm trying to look look on the on the bright side of this, um, uh, it, but. It, the whole thing to me, it just it, it, it smells funny. Um, and it, it, it although I will say and again, this is on the, on the positive. I saw a tweet by Charlie uh, Rubliotis today uh, where, where Crawford has Crawford himself sounded uh, more upbeat and more ready to play than he has sounded yet in terms of public statements. And, um, you know, that's ultimately it, it's it's up to him. He's the only one who can tell you 
you know, how ready he is to go. And it sounds like he at the very least is saying he's ready to go, or at least he was feeling that way today. Um, so th- that's encouraging. Um, I, it, I, that statement led me to believe that they're not rushing him back or pushing him back per se. And that at least he's, he's, he's acknowledging that he feels like he's ready to go. So we're going to have to see. Um, I don't know. I'm, my skepticism lies in the fact that he's been out for, um, for 10 months. Um, you know, is, you know, is he gonna, is, is there going to be a goal mouth scramble? Is somebody, is somebody going to bump him with an elbow or a stick? And is he going to have to leave the game? I, you know, I don't know. I, it's cause I, cause who knows what his condition really is, but he's been out for 10 months because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, I honestly still don't expect them to play tomorrow. I don't care what they're feeding. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I don't expect it to happen. Sorry. I'm Mr. Negative. Sorry well, if you don't if, like it. You but. know, and I kind of do because I, it's hard for me. To, I mean, it's really hard for me to imagine that they would be laying all this bait out there only to disappoint everybody. Um, it, it just, it, to me, it, it just seems like a, a not not a really smart move. Um, uh, they're making a big public deal out of this about this return. And, and um, going back to something we talked about in the last couple of ring casts, um, the fact that they're not selling tickets like they have been in years past, that's a big deal. That's a real big deal. And uh, the absence of Corey Crawford or quote unquote, the promise of Corey, Corey Crawford returning factors into that and factors into fan perceptions and how and whether people are willing to buy tickets and um i would say it's it's fair to say that the team has not handled the messaging around crawford well for the last 10 months starting back in december and continuing right up till perhaps till today so i'm expecting to see him play tomorrow actually um in light of this because they're they're if not They've then they're really, really mishandling this. Well, they've been mishandling it all along. I mean, right, right, yeah. I, so, the, which is why I wouldn't be surprised if they mishandled it again. They don't seem to learn their lessons, and and this goes in a, on, on on a much bigger scale. They don't seem to learn their lessons. They just continue to know, think they know better than everybody, and that they can, you know, lie to people and BS and play word games, and just continue to, you know, no one calls them on it, and. uh you know, just just our little rinky dink website, <laughs> but um, it's a darn fine rinky dink website. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we'll see. I, I guess we're gonna see if Corey Crawford may play tomorrow, and we may see uh, where he's at. And you know what, Corey Crawford may come out tomorrow and and, and pitch a thirty five safe, safe shutout against the uh, Arizona Coyotes, who I don't think are really good at scoring goals. So who knows? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the Arizona Coyotes, you know, you know what to disrespect the Coyotes, but it can be argued that this is an AHL game. Well, it, here I, I will give you a stat. And I saw this on Twitter yesterday and I just double checked it. The Arizona Coyotes have played five games. They have scored three goals in five right. games. Right. So, so I guess if there's any game that he should come back it'd probably be against the Arizona Coyotes. Right. You know, and, and it's sort of a way to break him in with less pressure and, you know, not having to worry about, you know, 45, 50 shots coming at him. Um, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I, I have a feeling he's going to play. I don't know how well he's going to play. Um, 
I don't, you know, I, and I don't know how, how he's going to, you know, hold up to any kind of contact or um, jostling, um, you know, in the net. It's 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 going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, I'm not again, he could go out and throw a shutout, a 35 save shutout tomorrow night. I'm not convinced that means the Corey Crawford is back. I need to see I need to see him play 10 games and withstand some some contact and, you know, a shot to the mask and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, if the if the goals against is south of two point five and the safe percentage is north of point nine fifteen, then I'm I, I'm willing to, to get on that bus. But not yet. I mean, that's the thing. And I that, going back to the negativity thinking, man, are we being defensive tonight or what? But, <laughs> um, you know, but but going back to it, it's, it's we want to see a larger sample size than two or three games or a bunch of hype on Twitter. That's all. That's all we want to see before we're going to get excited, before we're going to tell you to get excited. Um, because our experience has been that you've, you've got to kind of wait and see how things shake out. I mean, our guy Pappy was uh, on one of the social media platforms, was telling somebody, let's before we, we come to any conclusions about this team, let's, let's get, like, say, to December before we really know what kind of team this is. Yeah, and it's kind of the same and, thing and I, I said. That's, that's kind of the same thing I said. You know, let's wait for 10... 12, 15 games before you decide that the Blackhawks are going to win the Stanley Cup in, in, in June. Like, you can't, no one can predict what is going to happen in June. Uh, can, can predict this in October, early or mid-October. You just can't. Teams do different things. The Blackhawks looked like world beaters last year when they came out and they put, put 10 goals on the defending Stanley Cup champs and then proceeded to miss the playoffs. You know? So, you know, if you go by what the Blackhawks did in the first two games last year, yeah, they won the Stanley Cup. But that's not what really happened. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's pretty much it as far as what in Blackhawks. Not not a lot of real uh, big things have happened. Uh, We're just, you know, kind of waiting to see what's going to happen tomorrow. So let's say we get into some questions and then get out of here for tonight. Sure. Cool. All right. Uh, New person asking questions. Um this one was on the Twitter's Twitter machine. Uh, it was blows Saint, which was basically uh, a shot at the St. Louis blues. So will Brandon Sod will Brandon Sod bounce back this season? If so, what is his role moving forward? Uh, I'm still going to say, yeah, Brandon Sod will come back. There's more evidence to show that Brandon Sod is a good NHL, a very good NHL player than to show that he's some turd. Uh, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I want to I want to be there too and say I mean I'm a big Brandon Sod fan um, on and off the ice, um, and he's certainly shown in the past how great of a player he can be, and he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion and meaningfully so. Um, I, I don't know what's wrong with him. I, I don't know I don't know what it is that you know making it so hard for him to to get into the flow of the game offensively. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's a two man game on that line with, um, with Schmaltz and Kane and, and he's just not integrating with it. And, uh, um, you know, we get the, the Hawks need to find some other, some other combination for him. Um, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they need, if they're if they have any hope of being a competitive team this year and reversing some of those numbers, we're talking about power play five on five, et cetera. They need Brandon Saad. Definitely. Uh, 
and 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 kind of piggybacking, we we were in our private chats and stuff. I was kind of talking about how I, I listened. Our boy Charlie Romiliotis, I had to kind of disagree with him this time. First of all, he said that he he feels that Corey Crawford's going to get fifty starts this year because he's only missed five games, which and I I can't see that happening. <laughs> and the other thing was, you know. He was like, well, maybe they should investigate, uh, you know, trading Brandon Saad and Anton Forsberg once Corey Crawford's back uh, for a top four defenseman, which I don't think at this point in time with two players that are probably at their lowest value are going to bring back, you know, a decent top four defenseman. They could bring back some guy who may be a project, who may be a Brandon Saad type player that was, you know, that was slumping, that may be a project. And that's probably the best you're going to get on that. Well, let me put it to you this way. I mean, there was a rumor that was floated out there, not by us, that um, Brandon Saad was going to get dealt for Justin Falk. Now, I want to be fair and clear. I originally reported the Hawks being interested in Falk, but I never connected it to Saad. Other people did that. Um, What I was told by a team source was that there was no likelihood of Saad being traded for, for Justin Falk or being traded at that time period. I'm not sure that that five games, five regular season games, is enough to change that 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 point of view of the Hawks. Um, sure, I mean, any player without a, no, without a no movement clause, and even some players with no movement clauses, somebody could come at the team with an offer that, that they can't refuse. And I guess that could happen for Brandon Saad, too. But... Uh, I think the Hawks are smart enough to take the, the, the longer term view on Saad and say, this is a guy who we know can be a much better player. And once you let a player like that go, it's hard to get him back, <laughs> you yeah. know, to get those kinds of players back. And, uh, unless you trade our Tommy Panarin for him. Yeah. And the <laughs> Hawks have, have let a lot of really good players go because of the salary cap or what have you over the years. And, you know, the reason this is a team that we're debating their their playoff worthiness today um, versus the team it was in, in 2010 is precisely that, is that the salary cap and, and other issues have forced them to part with a lot of talent. And I just don't see why you sell low on a Brandon Saad right now or trade him at all, frankly, based upon five games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's slumping. But if you look at like last season, like he didn't have a horrible season. He just didn't have no. a Brandon Saad season. Right. And Jonathan Taves had a lousy season last year. And I think if you'd have played to with Taves last year, to wouldn't have had that great of a season um, because line mates feed off each other. And, and, you know, the chemistry that that exists on lines is is what, you know, gives guys big, big seasons with big point totals. And, and uh, very few guys do it on their own, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, as you know, again, I just think they, they need I don't I don't think after the first line. Um, I don't think they've got a lot going on chemistry wise on any of the lines. I think, you know, it, it's, it's Tavison to bring it on the top line. Cahoon's not, not getting in the way certainly. And he's picking up a little bit and then it's Kane on the second line. And right, like, yeah. that's, that's where I, I don't know. It's a large percentage of the offense is coming from those three guys. Yeah. And they, they've got to get a broader spread of scoring from more players to be a good team. I mean, cause right now it's, it's, it's a lot of it's luck and those guys just way overproducing. Yeah. Um, I, I can't give up on Brandon side just yet. He's nope. still, he's 25 and he, he just has a, a better history than that. And uh, you should, he should kind of get a bit of a, 
a uh, a bit of benefit of the doubt uh, with that, I think. So just hang on to him for a little bit. He's not going anywhere. You don't want to sell low. Selling low, you will always regret in the end. And uh, so, yeah. Ben Tolman asks, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much of a hypocrite is Dan Carzillo? Uh, well, I don't want to get into a rant on this. I, uh, I didn't like the type of player that Dan Carcillo was on the ice. I thought he he hurt people. Uh, he gave people brain injuries. Now he's trying to be an advocate for brain injuries, which is good. Being an advocate for some people who have brain, you know, brain trauma and those players who aren't supported by the league after they retire, that's all good stuff. It is. But Dan Carcillo yeah. was a guy who was a headhunter that tried to hurt people, tried to give them head injuries. Uh, so it does seem a bit hypocritical to me that, uh, you know, who's the next guy? Rafi Torres? And then who's the guy after that? Tom Wilson? I mean, come on. Well, yeah, I mean, I, the guy that, that it just stuns me that more people don't allude to in, in that whole dialogue is uh, Nicholas Cronwall. Um, man, he's the dirtiest player I've ever seen in terms of launching himself into guys to try to hurt guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's and he got away with it his whole career. And I think it was because of Mike Illich's uh, influence with the league. And any Red Wing fan listening to us may may disagree strongly with me on that, but um, as far as I'm concerned, he, he was the dirtiest player of the last 20 years in terms of those types of hits. I mean, Rafi Torres, I would put up there as well with him. I mean, I don't know. Carcillo to me was, it was a dirty and, and unpleasant player to play against. I don't remember all that many times of him launching himself, um, with the, you know, with the head as the point of contact. I'm sure he did it. Um, but I, I think there were guys who were worse than him. Um, oh yeah. He wasn't so, the worst, but I'm just, Yeah. You know, I mean that hit that we that was going around um, the social media platforms today. The 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 University of Connecticut player. Uh, I mean, that was as a father of a young player. That was a hard thing to watch. It's 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 a reminder of you know the the kinds of brain injuries that kids can get playing hockey. And um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna get too down on Carcillo or anyone for calling attention to it. I guess what I want to say is. If it was Rafi Torres or if it was Nicholas Cronwall, um, you know, raising it or Scott Stevens raising attention to brain injuries through through, you know, dirty hits. Um, although Stevens, most a lot of his were clean. Um, then I would then I would, you know, cry hypocrite, you know, Carcillo. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's not the best guy to be doing it. But at the same time, um, the point is, I mean, th- there's been a real problem in the league. Um, we haven't seen any recently we haven't seen any real big bad hits that were really dirty um but man for a while there it was like i mean the league couldn't get out of its own way in terms of properly adjudicating these things and putting down you know the the right types of uh discipline for them i mean you know torres got 25 games for that hit on hosa but you know conversely the hit that um cronwell gave marty havlat in the 2009 western conference finals he didn't even get a game for that yeah I mean, it was just, it was incredible. Yeah. And there are, there, there have been lots of other instances. And so, I mean, I, they, you know, hockey overall needs to do something about it because yeah, it's a, it's a really tough sport, but you don't want people dying or being permanently disabled 
because, you know, somebody gets overzealous and decides to hurt someone. I mean, in, in youth hockey, I mean, just just in terms of the leagues that my son plays in, there there are kids who target other kids. And, um, you know, it's serious. I mean, it, the kid, somebody could get really, really hurt. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't think, I, I mean, I love the physical part of the game. Anybody who's followed me knows that. But when it when it gets to literally trying to take guys heads off, I have no tolerance for that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, these guys are supposed to be talented enough where uh, they can make clean hits. <laughs> you can make body on body, chest on chest, you know, shoulder on shoulder or, or chest on shoulder hits. So um, it's just it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, it, yeah. it's not a switch you can turn overnight. It's going to take some time and there's going to be some. Well, in, in the end of the day, it comes down, it comes down to officiating and league discipline. Yeah. You know, they can, they can alter the rules. You know, I mean, when a guy, when a guy gets hit on the chin by a shoulder of another player and it's, it's, it's purely sort of incidental, um, uh, then, then, and the guy gets knocked out, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's not like the guy delivering the hit, you know, uh, left the ice and, you know, raised the elbow to, to try to take the guy's head off. And we've seen that. Yeah. Um, but sometimes there are going to be instances where guys are going to get hurt or knocked out because it's a physical game, but it, it's when there's an intent to, to destroy somebody. Um, th- that's where, that's where they've got to, they've got to adjudicate it. And getting back to Carcillo, um, you know, again, raising attention to brain injury, et cetera, um, calling for better officiating. Yeah. The, the, if he's calling for better officiating, <laughs> you could argue there's a little bit of hypocrisy there, but, um, I just don't think that he's the most hypocritical guy on that score if, to speak up. And we're, we're not hearing the other guys speak up, I guess. Yeah, but, you know, there's there's people like, you know, uh, Nick Boynton, who I don't have a problem with and, and stuff. But, yeah, yeah. anyway, moving on. I don't, I don't want to get hung up on that. Uh, Aaron Goldschmidt, our boy, our NCAA guy, uh, late in the Goldie, at late in the Goldie, says Cam Ward technically hasn't lost a game yet. Uh, will the Blackhawks get their $3 million worth by the year's end? Nope. That's uh, my short answer to that question. Yeah, I, I, it's hard. It's really hard to say with the amount of shots that he's seen and the, and the, the spotty support that he's had, how good or how bad he's been. I mean, if you, you know, you listen to Foley, Foley and Edzo, they're like, you know, Cam Ward is the second coming of Marty Brodeur at this point, which he's not. No. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, there have been there have been a couple of goals he's given up here and there where they've been a little softish, but then a lot in a lot of cases he's just he has had no chance to. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I I the other thing is is uh, I, Crawford's the again Crawford's the big X factor. If he could get back and play thirty five games, then Ward becomes a little bit of a moot point. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Which which points towards a bigger problem. It's not the goaltending that's the problem here. No. But anyway, um, our boy, Shy Sox history, uh, the rink's very own Lionel Hutz has, right. ha- has a question for us. Mr. Hutz, do you know you're not wearing any pants? I move for a bad court thingy. You mean a mistrial? Yeah, that's why you're the judge and I'm the law-talking guy. The lawyer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what role do you see Alex Fortin playing this year? Will he get sufficient playing time or get stuck in Q's doghouse? I don't think he's long for the team. Uh, I think once guys start coming off of IR, he's going to be the you know 
one of the guys that's going to get moved back down to Rockford. But um, I think he could have a really good uh, year down in Rockford. Really good, solid year. He's got a lot of confidence. Um, and he's shown that he can play in the NHL. That's my opinion. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I am admittedly a big uh, Alex Fortin fan. Um, I, you know, what the thing that I was really impressed with him playing with Schmaltz and Kane the other night. I mean, he came close to getting one or two goals. Um, and he did that by being in the right place at the right time. And he's got the speed to play with anybody and he knows where to go, um, where, you know, he knows where the puck is and he, and he knows where to go to, you know, to get, to get goals. And, uh, um, the other thing about him is he was also very good on the forecheck in that game. He generated a couple of offensive zone turnovers. Um, you know, again, he's he he has NHL quality speed, and he has shown at times over the last couple of years the ability to make plays at speed with good players. So, um, I I don't know. Yeah, he may he may be the first guy to go back to Rockford, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I think Quenville likes him. I really do. I think that's why he got that opportunity. Yeah, well, I, honestly, I'd rather see him play on the third line than Chris Kunitz. <laughs> yeah, but we knew that. Yeah, I mean, Chris Kunitz, five games, one assist, uh, negative, you know, minus two. Uh, he's really not doing much of anything. He's got four shots on net in five games. Uh, I'd rather see a young Alex Fortin develop and and play on that line with speed because he's got speed. Chris Kunitz does not. I would like to see... Uh, you know, some speed around Artem Anisimov. I think that would only make Artem Anisimov better. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the Fortin could use that uh, Anisimov's big body to, ca- uh, to cause traffic in front of the net, which could only help. I, I think that, you know, uh, he would be a great third-line player. But based on the way the roster's set up, it's not going to happen because they're carrying Chris Kunitz, unfortunately. So Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think, you know, you've got the... You sort of got the pieces of a of a good fourth line with Kruger and Hayden and and Martinson and um, you know whoever else they had playing there the other night I forget now but um, I, I think the third line and developing a third line that can that can not only defend and match up against other teams top top six lines um, but also um, can can chip in some offense and and be kind of dangerous that would be huge for this team. Yeah, and I don't think they have that right now. I think it's a bunch of spare parts right now on that line. Um, it's too bad that Saad and Fortin both play both play left wing or are both better on the left wing, because the two of those guys out there with a, with this uh, you know a, a fairly competent two way center that could be an interesting third line. It really could yeah. with a lot of speed and um, you know a strong forecheck and the ability to get back and defend. I mean, that, but. Um, I think that, you know, Anisimov is what he is. He's, you know, and, and as far as playing with speed players, he's kind of a boat anchor. He's really more of a, you know, a grinded out um, offensive zone type of player um, and not necessarily, a, you know, a great transition player. So I, I, you know, I don't know. He's easy. The guy who never seems to totally fit in anywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, where he succeeded most was right next to Patrick Kane, which could be well, said for a lot of players. Who doesn't, you know? I mean, Brad Richards had a had a great sort of you know late late seat late career season with him, and I mean, Kane makes always makes that center whoever's with him look. I mean, he made Michael Hanzus look good, you know, <laughs> for two years. He got right. Mike. He got Michael Hanzus on a whole nother contract. Right. right. So I mean. 
Yeah, um, I don't know, but so, I it would it would really would be great to see um, some kind of a third line with an identity and and a value emerge because I don't think they have that right now. No, those guys are just out taking shifts right now. No, right like. now uh, one wing is uh, a favor. The GM's doing a favor to a player who whose family lives in Chicago, and the Artem Anisimov where they don't have uh, anywhere else to put them, so they're putting them there. And then they have the rotating cast of characters on the right wing. Uh, speaking of Brandon Saad, our boy Brain Sprain with Saad in the doghouse. What are some ideas of how to get him going without healthy scratching him? Uh, I mean, I guess at this point in time, that's really all they got. Uh, he doesn't seem to be, he seems to be, from what I heard, he seems to be upset about possibly being scratched tomorrow. But I've seen this before where they said, you know, this player is going to be scratched and then come game time, that player's not scratched. So I'll believe right. it when I see it, but it could happen, but I'll believe it when I see it. I, well, and let's, let's be honest. The, in all likelihood, the reason that Alex Fortin was playing with Schmaltz and, and Kane and, and not Saad was to send Saad a, me- a message, you know, more so than Q's love affair with Alex Fortin. Yeah. Um, as hard as it is for me to admit that, um, <laughs> but that's, that's really what they're trying to send Saad a message. And if they scratch them, they're, they're, underscoring the message and he's a 26 year old still very young man and, and he's going to have to work through it and, and i it uh, it seems it's not a physical issue with him that it is an emotional issue he's in a funk he's not feeling comfortable with his line mates um and and he's he's gonna have to work through it and get you know he's not playing with that same energy that he had um you know the last the, the last couple of years um, he was here in Chicago, um, and you know they had in Columbus. Quite frankly, um, he's just not—he's not playing with a lot of energy and excitement and, and passion for the game right now, and he's got to get it back. Yeah. Our girl Jackie Davis on the Facebook page. Uh, every time they have played so far has gone to overtime. Overtime games are worth three points. Wait a minute. While regulation games are only worth two points. Um. So teams, Hawks included, that lose still get a point. How is that a win? Uh, a five and O in regulation. Worse. Uh, she's kind of talking about the the, the overtime thing, um, the overtime point thing, the extra the the loser point thing. Um, winner gets three points in regulation. I think the standings will look very different. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the loser point is kind of a bs thing but to make the stats or to make the standings look uh closer than they really are sometimes and that's benefiting the blackhawks and uh yeah that's kind of how i feel about that anything no no i mean no not really i don't really okay, have anything yeah. to add there okay how many goals will the rookie call up man e kin <laughs> getting his NHL debut. He's more of a, a defensive guy. Uh, he's more like a Nick Jomerson. You may have a lot of shot blocks by Mr. Man Eken, uh, but uh, I don't think any goals. Well, I, I theorized on Twitter last week that it is, in fact, former Hawk Jim Vandermeer and not a mannequin. <laughs> and I'm, I'm staying with that theory. Well, you know what? It could be Michael Roosevelt. Or it, has anyone seen the mannequin and Brandon Manning together? <laughs> Manny Ken, yeah. Uh, do the Hawks, uh, Seth Johnson, or that, that was from Milos Stefan. Uh, Seth Johnson, do the Hawks make any moves at the deadline? 
I mean, they're probably going to make some moves, whether it's sell or, or uh, you know, uh, whether it's sell or acquire. We don't know yet because we don't know how the we don't know what the Black Blackhawks are. We don't know what their identity is yet. Yeah. So well, it's, it's interesting. Hard. I had a long uh, dialogue back and forth the last couple of days with one of uh, one of my rumor sources, and and uh, his uh, his take is that the Hawks, um, as an organization, are while they're you know they're pleasantly surprised at how the team has started. They they are like like we sort of said and and we coined the term they're in a silent rebuild and um Nailed it. they don't they they actually i mean and I, I i don't know i just don't see how anybody could see how this could be more than a first round playoff team if they even made the playoffs um you know based upon what you're seeing on the ice cuz again you're not you're not going to win 7-6 and 3 on 3 overtime in the playoffs just not going to happen so um I think the Hawks would 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 rather not be in a position, honestly, to where they've got to give up assets for the future in order to acquire a player for the playoffs this year. I, I think that they see that as being a fool's errand and a very sh- short sighted move. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, if they're if they're say you know in in uh, the second wild card spot come last week of February and they don't do anything. There are going to be people who are going to be breaking out the torches and pitchforks. And why didn't you go get this guy? Why didn't you go get that guy? And the reality of it is the smarter move for a rebuilding team would be to be sellers. Yeah. Um, and then that's where this this, you know, fast start the Hawks are off to. If, if they defy what, you know, you and I think is likely and they continue to be um, in playoff position or close to it. Um, in February or so, um, I mean, it, it puts them in a difficult position in terms of managing fan expectations and managing the messaging, which they've done a really horrible job of the last couple of years, not only about Crawford, but about what's the plan for the team. Um, and um, because, again, I think they can't handle the fact that they're not selling tickets like they used to and they just they don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, so I, it was really an interesting conversation because. It really seems like they don't want to be in a position where they've got to over because you always have to overpay at the trade deadline. Don't kid yourself. If you're going to get a guy who can meaningfully help you in the playoffs or to make the playoffs, you always have to overpay at the season trade deadline on March 1st. Yeah. No way around it. I mean, Bowman did it for two or three years when the Hawks were seriously trying to win cups and they were in position to do it. It's not the same team anymore. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. So. It, they apparently would prefer not to have to do that or feel pressure to do that, but rather stay the course in terms of this, the quote unquote silent rebuild. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned too, um, and this goes into Paul Irwin's, the last question, if Crawford's in good form and the rest of the Blackhawks continue in the same level of play, is this team a legitimate playoff contender? Uh, you kind of really answered that question without even, well, you know, Corey Crawford is a good enough goalie or was a good enough goalie when completely healthy to mask a lot of the um, fundamental flaws of the Hawks. Um, you know, he, he, he was the guy in spite of their dwindling and worsening possession numbers over the last three years, whose, whose goalie numbers were able to actually overcome a lot of that. So, yeah, I mean, if he could, if the Corey Crawford, we know comes back, which is possible this year, um, he can again 
um, overcome some of those numbers. But then the problem is going to be you're going to get into, you know, if you get into the playoffs, you're going to get into the first round of the playoffs, likely against a Nashville or a Winnipeg. And you're going to get they're going to get destroyed because they're fundamentally they're not that good of a team anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, everyone's like, do they get to the playoffs? Being making just barely squeaking into the playoffs and being a quality playoff team are two totally different things. Yeah. I would rather the Blackhawks be a quality playoff team than one that squeaks in and gets, you know, loses, uh, you know, four or five and then screws up, you know, draft status or whatever, or they have traded away a draft pick, like a first round draft pick to get a player and then losing the first round and then they don't have a first round draft pick. I would not, I, I don't want to see that. I would rather see them miss the playoffs, get a good draft pick, get an offensive player in here to help complement Alex DeBrinkett and the next wave of Blackhawks forwards that shows a promising future. I want a promising future. I don't, <coughs> excuse me, I don't want uh, a whole bunch of BS blow and smoke blowing up my butt for you know them to, to, to win one game in a, in a playoff series and then uh, you know shut it down for the rest of the year. I don't want that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, if you look at you look at trade deadline moves of the last two years for the Hawks, 2015, it was a very good team. They needed some more. They needed some more quality center depth and more more faceoff wins. They went out and overpaid for Antoine Vermette. It worked out. <laughs> it worked out really well, and Vermette was a was a meaningful piece in winning a Stanley Cup. The next year, they needed help at, at left wing. They needed a left wing to play with um, uh, Hosa and Taves. Um, it was still, at least it seemed to be a really good team and a team worth investing in that way. They went out and got Andrew Ladd, and they and they paid a high price for Ladd. It didn't work out. They got they got bounced in the first round. Um, which which of those teams, in terms of overall talent, is the current team closer to? It's a it's much closer to the 2016 16 team, and it's probably worse than that team. Yeah. So you know, yeah, I mean, the I think the worst thing that that the Hawks could do would be, you know, if they if they overperform between now and and late February, and then they go out and overpay for an asset to maybe help them win a playoff game or two, and still get bounced out in the first round. Because the other thing is, if 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 they finish that well, they're not going to draft that high. They need and they need another high draft pick. They mm-hmm. may need a couple of seasons of high draft picks to go out and get those legitimate difference making players, not more of the of the players who are really more complementary players, good players, but complementary. They need a couple of legitimate superstars to get back into that Stanley Cup conversation. Yeah. And and they're probably it's probably going to be the draft because free agency these days looks way too rich for their blood. Yeah, and by the time you get there, anyone of any quality is probably going to be off the board anyway. Right. Yeah, so anyway, all right. I think that's it. That's it for questions. Uh, hey. <clears throat> so you can find us all. You can find all of our wonderful content at www.the-rank.com. You can find us on all the popular social media. The or at the rink official on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, the Rinkcast account is at the Rinkcast on Twitter. I am at Puck and Hostel on Twitter. You are at Jekyll, J A E C K E L on Twitter. Uh, if, you, I am. if you get a chance, 
uh, head, please head over to iTunes, rate, review us. And you know what? Guess what? Someone did. And you know what? I said, I'll read it good or bad. So I'm oh going to read it. So from, and, and, and this username should pretty much, uh, give you an idea of how this review is going to go. PJ Cubs title. <laughs> what question mark review? Not a lot of hockey knowledge here. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe you're right. So let's close this thing down for the night. Um, any last plugs for you, John? Uh, no, I don't I don't have anything tonight other than our good friends at Puck Hockey, P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Um, I will be live tweeting the Blackhawks-Columbus Blue Jackets game from Nationwide Arena Saturday night. Um, I will be rocking um, rink and Puck Hockey gear um, at, at, the, uh, at the game, and uh, you will see that if you follow me on the Twitters. And... Um, that's going to be exciting, and uh, we're like, you know, as always, we're going to have the the best preview on the internet. Even though apparently PJ Cub says we lack hockey knowledge, <laughs> we also have uh, very robust uh, game recaps. Um, we've added two writers uh, in the last couple of weeks who um, are really exceptional hockey writers, with proven track records in Pappy, MLP, Mark Louis Paprzyska, and I didn't say that right, and Brian Ferran. And so You're close. Uh, we're just going to keep doing what we do, and. Uh, that, that's that's it. That's what we got. Yeah. So, and of course, puckpedia.com. And puckpedia.com. And puckpedia.com. So, uh, I think that's all for that. Um, <clears throat> coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start getting back with uh, Mario Tarabasi. He's going to do uh, the Ice Hogs reports. We're going to have Evan Miller doing uh, indie fuel reports. So, hockey coming out of your ear holes and going into your ear holes. So, uh, that being said, uh, thanks to everyone for taking time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the radio.